0: Welcome to the Halliday Wine Companion Podcast. This is our space to chat about wine without all the fluff, from how to taste and describe it to how to pair it to that dinner party you're hosting next weekend. We'll be chatting to industry professionals from across the country, tackling all things wine from a palatable perspective. I'm Tom Carr, your host, and I'm part of the team here at Halliday, and this is By The Glass. Well, hello, and it's actually a Sunday today, a Sunday afternoon, and I'm looking out a beautiful window at some rather lovely vines. I've got a very special guest in front of me. Uh, I've got a couple of glasses of and Noir, which we're comparing side by side. And look, today's topic is one that I've been putting off, but something I have wanted to speak about. I've been wanting to sit down with a winery and discuss the last 18 months and the impact of COVID-19 on business. Now, uh, several estate in Victoria's Yarra Valley, was established in 1972 and has a diverse offering from accommodation to events, an on site restaurant, and of course, a cellar door where you can try some of their rather delicious wines that I'm currently sipping on. Dylan McMahon uh, is the grandson of Peter and Margaret, uh, the founders of Civil Estate, and he is now the chief winemaker here at the estate. So it's so lovely to be able to uh, sit down with him and chat to him today and get his take on what has been a relatively challenging period for the wine and tourism industry at large. Can you please welcome Dylan?
1: Thank you for having me. This is fantastic.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I reckon, I said to Dylan um, when I arrived, I'm like, is it Seville or Seville Estate? <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I changed it twice during that intro.
1: <laughs> Good point, although I, um, I was on 3AW a little while ago and I actually put that out there. I said, no, it, categorically it's not Seville, it's Seville. And um, I got back to the winery and the, the phone's just all lit up. Everyone was furious that I was actually making that claim. Um, I'm happy to stand by it. There's a whole story behind it, but I probably now is probably not the time to go into that. That's
0: pretty funny. <laughs> so, for the, look, we may change throughout today's recording. Who knows, you know? And we're um, sipping on your rather lovely Pinot Noir, Yeah, we're looking
1: at a couple of Pinots, actually. We're looking at um, our – both from 2019, um, which is a really stunning vintage. uh, Really Mm. perfumed, brilliant, fantastic fruit structure. Um, And it's great to see a bit of grip and a bit of tannin back into that vintage. Um, We're Mm. looking at – yeah, we're looking at sort of younger plantings of 96 with our state Pinot and then the the original plantings that were from 72, that old Mm. vine Pinot, and just – you kind of sort of see the differences there with the layers of complexity in that old um, vine reserve, and that's mm. why we keep it separate.
0: I was actually saying to Dylan, we um, hopped on his little battery powered wheels. It's pretty wet outside, we nearly got bogged <laughs> several times on this little what would you call it? I'm not going to say it's like it's like a little battery powered little buggy, yeah, it's a little buggy, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we were cruising around the vineyard. And um, yeah, we nearly got bogged and I was saying to him, what's it like, like, you know, your grandparents founded this place all those years ago and they've since deceased and you're here running the winery and like, you know, you're, you're the general manager, you're the winemaker. It must be quite special and nostalgic.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's, I suppose you keep on forgetting about it, to be honest, um, but it's wonderful to still be connected to this place. I mean, you know, I spent a fair bit of time as a kid growing up here and playing in the vines and eating ice cream here in this house. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty much my involvement of helping yeah. when I was a kid. Um, but, you know, it's wonderful to still be connected to this place because yep. I think it's pretty special and I think it's a, you know, it's a special little part of the world um, and a great, way and great place in general, the Yarra Valley, to be growing and making wine
0: yeah I want to because um, obviously you know we'll come back and forth from wine over the course of the recording I want to uh, chat about the last 18 months you know you're kind of a perfect example you're a, a, a wine tourism business you've got accommodation people can stay here they can eat here they can drink here they can you know um, I know could. event could, could. <laughs> once upon a time they could not anymore. <laughs> 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 and I know events aren't necessarily a key focus area of yours, but you know you do do events here from time yes. to time. When that very first lockdown was announced back in March 2020, I know that feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> do you remember what was going through your mind Oh
1: god i um yeah that was a, that was a really tricky time, and I'll be perfectly honest, it was a very scary time um, you know, because it was it was painted as a pretty doom and gloom type of event and this pandemic, and I guess we were really naive in terms of knowing what was actually going to come next. I mean, we're kind of familiar with what comes next now with lockdowns. We know that, you know, where there's certain things that we're kind of expecting and, and hear about, but back then everything was unexpected. Everything was brand new um, and... I guess certainty was the one thing that kept on coming up, especially with our staff and certainty. We need certainty. But yeah. it's like, you know, how how on earth can you actually get there without um, having any knowledge? I mean, luckily that came probably two months down the track, I guess, with JobKeeper and those sorts of things. But God, those first two months, that was that was pretty ta- challenging.
0: Yeah. And, and and so on that, when you talk about uncertainty is a is a is a you know, pretty important word, um, and has been throughout the last eighteen months because there's been so much uncertainty. But what have your tools been for resilience? Like, how do you view lockdowns? Is is it something that you get used to, or are they still a shock to the business each and every time they're rolled out?
1: I think we. I think we've actually. Um Stop being shocked. I think our (laughs) level of shockability is uh, shocked out of us. That's pretty bad pun, actually. I really (laughs) apologize for that, actually. But, um, you know, the, we, it's hard to be um, surprised, I guess, by it all now. And I guess there is a sense of, um, there's a familiarity behind lockdowns now, we kind of know Isn't that a fri- what is, 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 is a frightening
0: <laughs> thing to say,
1: but we, we know how to treat them and we, and I don't want to use the word, so I'll say we know how to flick the switch and Were go into pivot? this. <laughs> Tom, you know me too well. I said what? that
0: word and you go, don't say that word. I don't want you to you pivot.
1: <laughs> but we can kind of, yeah, in the each time we have a lockdown, um, especially if you're from Melbourne, you know how to do it. You kind of just suddenly go into that that um, that mode, Yep. And we know what to do. You know, there was a lot of, you know, there wasn't really certainty about the future last year, but just certainty about what we do as a business yep. was really comforting for our staff and for everybody in general. You know, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Yeah. What's the repercussions of you know of that? And you know. I suppose certainty is is a little bit more consistent these days with lockdowns.
0: And so actually on reflection, as a business, had you known how this was going to play out, that there was going to be extended lockdowns and prolonged periods of restrictions and you'd be opening and closing, what things, <laughs> <laughs> what things would you have done differently from the get-go, if any? The million-dollar question.
1: Um, I, I, We definitely would have done things differently. I... You know, we we played around with a lot of models last year in the first lockdown, and the stress level was extremely high. Mm. Um, it's a good weight loss program, actually. Yeah. You actually I actually did; <laughs> I lost quite a lot of weight oh, <laughs> for that first. Were you drinking a little bit? No, I, I kind of <laughs> no, I kind of went into this weird reserved um, space actually, right um, and. Lost some weight, which was which is great actually, I suppose. One it was a positive there you go. But <laughs> um I think we trialed around with a lot of models mm. and there was hits and misses and I mm. think that that brought about a lot of anxiety in itself. Mm. So we followed we kind of got onto that model of just keep it stupid simple, yep. you know, and keep people busy. Yep. Um and Luckily, our major lockdown last year coincided with pruning. You okay. Know, we had the whole front of the house, kitchen team, um, you know, uh, the my assistant winemaker, even myself um, on days to, you know, out there just pruning the whole vineyard where yeah. we normally would have had a full contract crew coming through and prune. We had all our staff. And that was just a – it was just a great way of – kind of staying connected, I guess, with everybody. It was a nice
0: bonding experience, almost like bringing you all together. Oh, massively, yeah, and they loved it.
1: And, you know, everyone was going home, not seeing anyone. And so coming to work and being able to see people talk, interact, that camaraderie was just – it was really powerful. You saw that in people's morale um, from the get-go when we kind of made that simple decision about everyone, just let's go Prune. Yeah. And we've got three – there's two and a half months of work there – yeah. So let's just tick through. Not the most, I suppose, efficient way of pruning a vineyard. <laughs> but incredibly, you know, the guys were actually amazing. Within a, first, within a couple of weeks, they'd really honed their skills in pruning and they got better and better. Yeah. And a huge testament to those guys for that and also a testament to um, – and a shout out to our vineyard manager actually, you know – Talking them through it, training them through, upskilling them quite yeah, quickly them. <laughs> to the point of yeah, they're driving around tract with tractors and operating machinery, and it was it was quite phenomenal. So yeah, right, that's when everything for us kind of turned around, I guess. Yeah, and there was that kind of we had some certainty um, if we were able to reopen, we we're just going to reopen. But yep. at the moment, we had a body of work that kept us occupied basically. And sane. Sane, (laughs) distracted, all those sorts of things. (laughs) Connected. Yeah. All those
0: buzzwords that you keep on hearing. While you're pivoting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to start talking about the business, right? What areas of your business thrived throughout COVID and what areas were most impacted? And were there any surprises along the way?
1: Yeah, look, we saw a pretty dramatic Dip in wine sales straight away. I mean, that was that was a big impact for us. Um, we sell to a lot of restaurants through our distributors. Yeah. So, with that closure, that was that was um, that was a fairly big impact. What was surprising, though, in the trade, though, was was watching the quick uptake in the um, off-premise market. So, you know, bottle sales through your takeaway bottle shop or whatever. Yeah. Um, and. That was actually really quite surprising. That people weren't really—they were still happy to spend. You know, they weren't just going and buying the cheapest bottle they could find. Um, yeah. they were still buying good wine. Yeah, and still consuming good wine. So that was really that was that was great for us. We saw you know sales. While we saw an initial dip, we saw a sort of an uptake there.
0: Yeah. Um, well, to be fair, you would have had people like myself that were locked <laughs> up in inner city of Melbourne, just going I need a
1: drink. You know. <laughs> Yeah, look, and we had all those really, you know, um, and anyone that was anti-alcohol, you know, the 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 body there and um, the, the lobby group was definitely sort of on the bandwagon, saying, you know, you know, suddenly our takeaway, um, wine you know, bottle sales have gone, you know, tenfold or something. Yeah. But the reality is that just you know you add up what people weren't drinking in pubs and restaurants and those sorts of things, and yeah. they were just transferring those sales to bottle sales. Of instance. course, so. Overall, I think the initial um, stats and stuff were coming out saying that consumption was, you know, actually much the same, if not reduced. Although you should not quote me on that.
0: And yeah, maybe I should not mention that. <laughs> okay, there's a quote. Thank you. <laughs> yep, no problems at all. I'll um. Yep. Um, and is there anything? Is there anything actually that you'll keep and anything that you'll now do differently coming out of the pandemic?
1: Yeah. Look, I think the. We've learned a lot how to be quite resilient, and I get, and that's another horrible buzzword. But um, <laughs> I'm going to use that <laughs> word later on, just so you know. I, I think you know, breaking everything right down and then having to rebuild it. There's there's a lot of lessons learned there. Yep. You know, we 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 went through pretty much every you know because every time we reopen, we almost have to rebuild things. So working out what's really important to us and what's not, and how each department can function and not yep. as well. So. And I think we learn a lot about ourselves in that time space as well because we're fairly – while we've been around for a long time, um, you know, the full team here, all our employees, you know, they're relatively new, you know, a couple of years sort of thing that we've sort of only really had two or three years that we've had the restaurant up and running. So that was a really – that was something that was actually quite beneficial over that time is just to sort of everyone to learn about each other. Yep, yep. So I guess we every time we come out of these lockdowns we seem to sort of come out a little bit stronger.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cuz has the pandemic has has the pandemic forced you as a business to be more innovative, creative and even take risks you probably wouldn't have ever considered?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean I think that that happened with every business, didn't it? Yeah. You know, if you wanted to stay open and you couldn't just turn the switches off and go home and sit at home for, you know, a few months. Yeah. You know, we still had to run a business. We still had, you know, vines to look after, wines to rack or top up or wines to bottle. You know, we had to keep them going. You can't close a winery down for
0: that period of time. The wines don't go into lockdown, is that what you're telling me? So so what sort of – so talk me through. Is like what what were some of the pivots? (laughs) Well,
1: Um, I think – one of the, the first things was, you know, obviously trying to, you know, do things like pruning, obviously. But the other thing was that um, you do realise that um, after a certain period of time, if people aren't doing what they're, you know, spent their whole lifetime training for, yeah. um, you know, they start to, I suppose, become quite uneased by that um, and, you know, other issues can sort of pop up. So yeah, getting back into the kitchen and starting to do a takeaway food offering yep. was something that really was a great way to break up the pruning. So that whole time that we're out pruning. So you had your chefs pruning as well. Yes. So the chefs were pruning and then when it came time to the weekend, they'll jump into the kitchen and spend a couple of days prepping food for a Saturday delivery basically. Yeah, civil at home. Civil at home. Yeah. So it's a box of, uh, box of food. Uh, usually around about three or four courses. Yeah, bottle of wine. Um, you put it together yourself, or you finish it yourself. Yeah. Uh, so there's kind of like this. I suppose is a, like a bit of a, a bit of a theatre. Give something people something to do yeah, on yeah, that yeah. Saturday night rather than just throwing something and reheating in a microwave. This is a, you know, it's more interactive. It's a much more interactive. You sit yeah. down. You open a bottle of wine. You know, you or cook two. Your first. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, we've got five bottles of wine here <laughs> now. Um, and, you know, you kind of go through that, that process of, you know, finishing cooking and preparing and then sitting down and eating these dishes. And I suppose that theatre, it was, you know, it's much more than just giving someone food for the night. Yeah. This is, you're kind of giving someone, I hate, also
0: the experience, <laughs> I guess. It's a journey, Dylan. <laughs> <It's a journey. laughs> How many buzzwords can we come up <laughs> with in this podcast? <laughs> and, and so when – actually, we should pour a little Shiraz while we're – um, because we're we, – You're we, dry. Yeah, we, we, cool. <laughs> I am dry. We actually started our tasting back in the winery and now we're in the main homestead where Dylan used to eat ice cream with his grandparents <laughs> and we're up to Shiraz in our tasting. Um, yeah, so
1: I've dropped a little um, – this is our – 18 vintage. Um, and this is what we call our old vine reserve Shiraz. So it's the original vine uh, Shiraz vines that we planted um, in 72. We actually drove down that, yeah. that row first. Yeah. Almost got bogged in that yes, row. Exactly, <laughs> but, um, big old gnarly vines that just produce very small quantities of grapes. Um, and each one of those bunches just really packs a punch in terms of their, you know, complexity and flavour. Mm. And so yeah, it's I mean. just really beautifully laid again, really fine tannins, a little bit of that, you know, white pepper spice.
0: Mm. And the vines were so, as we were driving um, along past and they're so beautiful, just the way they sort of wind and they look so old and they're just lovely, you know, they're like refined old grandparents. Yeah, they're resilient, that's for sure. resilient. <laughs> <laughs> they pivoted during COVID. Uh, so on that, back to like with the restaurant side of things, like we mm-hmm. see restaurants in Melbourne pivoting from in-house dining to at-home offerings. And you've obviously done the same as you mentioned, but how much work and time actually goes into these new initiatives? Because from the outside, it looks pretty seamless.
1: <laughs> it does. And I think if there's a lesson learned is that um – you know, getting onto these things as quickly as possible um, would be it would be a bit of a take home because they do take time. You kind of come up with this concept of, oh, yeah, we should do a food offering and then there's the process of oh, what that should look like mm-hmm. and, you know, for us it was important not to do something that was that simple reheat at home. You know, yeah. we wanted, you know, to give that, you know, people an opportunity to sort of have that connection back with us that have dined with us before yeah. and – and so it was important that we did something that sort of followed that core set of values or something, or was saying, you know, following that same ethos that we had and try to replicate that and what we were sort of um, giving people in the restaurant. Yeah. And that takes time to sort of flesh out, um, put together. The chefs were amazing about in terms of quickly coming up with dishes and stuff and being able to break that down into how it was going to be reconstructed um, at home. But just the collaterals and the logistics and suddenly, like simple things like suddenly you get all these orders and you've got 50 orders to get out in a day and then you're going, okay, well, that's there's five drivers or something, so everyone takes, you know, ten orders each. Yeah. But just the simple things of like, oh, well, what's the best route? You know, yeah. how do I actually – you know, and then breaking up the, the, the different areas on people. So then you kind of have to – and that was actually one of my things that I actually had to then sit down and – um, become a logistics manager in terms of <laughs> like oh you get that area and then here's your route um, and trying to work out what programs we could use for free because we didn't want to obviously invest in a you know this big infrastructure of. Software, so I'm trying to play around with Google Maps and try to work out, okay, so that's the best, that's yours. Um, Just simple stuff and that just takes time. And then just making sure that everyone's order is accurate as well, making sure that all the packages get into the box, the right wine gets in it and it gets to the right person. Yeah, Seems really simple but suddenly for a business that's never done that before, there's a lot of little steps that – you know, and there's lots of different ways you can do that. Yep. you know, and um, so I was trying to find a rhythm, an efficient rhythm within our resources and ex- expertise in that yep. um, space to actually facilitate those sorts of things. But I think we did pretty well, actually. Mm. Um, but well, I'll know, time. I'll
0: know tonight. <laughs> you know, tonight.
1: <laughs> although it hasn't, it hasn't been through my Google Maps. So
0: <laughs> oh, I've only okay. had to deliver it over here. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been lost in transit. And I <laughs> <laughs> I'll judge. I'm sure it sounds bloody divine. We had some little nibbles um prior to coming in here and they were pretty if that's anything to go by. Is it is it something you'll keep?
1: Uh look, I don't think so. No. It's just too difficult. We can't do that and the restaurant. Yeah, of course. Um it's it's a bit of a shame that we couldn't do it, but the logistics behind it is just it's just too it's just, it's amazing. Some of us will be sitting there late on a Friday plucking you know, um, microherbs and stuff into little <laughs> things, you know, to, you know, little containers that needed to go out. Um, oh, my God. You know, it's that sort of thing because the dishes change each week. Yeah. So you can't really go, okay, we know how to do yes. that dish really efficiently and get that out really quickly. The dishes changed every week. Yeah. So you, you, you got no rhythm in terms of how to pack or what was going to look like. So each, each week was a bit of a new Another experience. learning Yeah, and then you had the whole thing of, you know, the council actually, you know, you're not allowed to do a food delivery.
0: yes, of course. So
1: that was another really pushing point when we actually wanted to do it. It was like, actually, can we legally do this? Yeah. And legally, no, you can't. Right. So luckily the council jumped on that really quickly and suddenly just they either turned a blind eye or they simply said, oh, look, you know, We'll give we're, we're going to give everyone allowances during allowances this during this time yeah. to yeah. actually do food delivery. What did because, you even think you know, about that? Of yeah, course. well, everything's cooked, so even the meat that we deliver is all It's already cooked, so it's sous vide. So it's not like we're driving around with raw meat and um, and those sorts of things. But it's you know it's just another step that you hadn't really thought about. Yeah, you know um, that you have to sort of those little hurdles that you have to sort of tick.
0: I hear there's a beautiful kangaroo on the menu. There is. Tonight. That sounds rather delightful. And micro herbs that you've handpicked, no doubt. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what's, what's been your biggest win and, and biggest learning throughout this time? I know you love a learning. <laughs> the funny thing
1: is that if we were doing this podcast, you know, two years ago or less than <laughs> two years ago, that word wouldn't exist.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What has been what – has, what has been a – what has been a – New AM? vocabulary. Yeah. That's, that's what I've actually learned. There you go. You wouldn't use the word journey, though, because reality shows were well in play, so journeys were, were definitely a thing. Learnings. Let's talk learnings. Yes. Okay.
1: What what have been our learnings? Well, I guess we've learned that obviously, you know, resilience is something that we can we can actually handle, you know, and we can adapt to, you know, different elements of the business and – being flexible. It's a really good question because even though we've taken a lot and, you know, we've we've gone through a lot of experiences, we've learned a lot in terms of just the dynamic, different dynamics in the business and how to sort of profiteer, the funny thing is we won't really take much from it. Because <laughs> yeah. <won't>, you know, <laughs> everyone will go back to and wants to go back to what we were doing before.
0: Yeah.
1: So um, – yeah, it's an interesting one. That one.
0: So it's almost just an experience, a a a, a time, you know, a place and time, and then mm. things will just hopefully resume.
1: Yeah, and we've learned what's what's important to us, so we know when we reopen, we know what we need to do. Yeah, we know what we want to tackle. Um, what we're capable of doing. Yeah, rather than trying to be everything to everybody yeah we know that we you know we're just going to be quite concise um, yeah on how we reopen and do do what we do but
0: don't do a lot of it but do what we do 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 it really well and so looking at that so we're gonna I, I want to look at ahead now you know looking ahead how do you see the industry regrouping after all of this rebounding I think
1: I'm still pretty confident that everyone's going to want to you know, come out and be oh, part of it again. I am, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that there's a bit of hesitation this time round, but that's going to be the testament. Everyone's going to be opening their doors and if people want to come out and support their local businesses, that's going to be the most critical thing. Yeah. And that's going to be the the, the testament in terms of how well we bounce back from this. But yeah. You know wine side of things, as it says, I mean we've been talking about the hospitality side of this business, but that's that's been heavily affected. but we yeah. in terms of wine making and the the vineyard, that's just kept on going yeah. and um, one upside of it is that um, there's been a, there's been an amazing amount of focus in that actually of just sort of focusing on wines and focusing on the vineyard.
0: yeah, yeah. and so what do you think people will be looking for for? from you as a winery when you do reopen? Oh,
1: I think they will be looking for us to be um, very well prepared in terms of our cleanliness, you know, how, we, how people move through the property. I think this time round, you know, COVID's in the community this time round. You yeah. know, when we've opened up before, you know, we're talking about sort of zero cases. And so people have this sort of thing. It's gone, you know.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's gone. We're we safe. Go. We're good to okay. go.
1: <laughs> With this time around, it's like, oh, no, you could easily have it. Yeah. Oh, no, you could. Oh, this actually, this is, I know that we're all, you know, we're all getting vaccinated and, um, and that's fantastic. But there's that sense of that it's out there. Yeah. And so I think people are going to be still quite cautious. Yeah. And I think that could be quite mixed. I think there could be people completely on the other end. So it would be interesting.
0: Really let their hair down. They just want an experience they've been deprived of for the last 18 months. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and what are you most looking forward to? That day that you reopen, like what are you most looking forward to? Being at home. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not being here. Not, yeah. <laughs> Is it just like seeing – are you looking forward to like seeing people? Yeah, no, absolutely. I just won't be here. Look, people um, in our
1: last when we've when we've opened, people have been fantastic. Really, yeah. you know, we we've had to put, you know, we've had to take credit card details in the past and stuff, but we quickly um, stopped doing that because people just start, We found anyway for us, um, people just did the right thing. You know, they yeah. turned up, they didn't book and not show. They, I kind of, I think they really wanted to support That's businesses nice. and. Um, and people were genuinely, you know, patient, appreciative, um, kind, yeah. And that was that was that was really fantastic. So if we're opening up with that sort of mentality again, then fantastic. You know, I'd love to be around. Um, but you know, every hospitality industry um, is going to be going through a really tricky reopening. You know, staff is really hard to find. Staff this time, so yeah. people are obviously having. <laughs> less experienced staff working for them that they not probably wouldn't normally have yeah. and so that's going to be I think everyone if they have that sort of patience is going to be a, it's going to be a great time. But if people are nitpicky. Yeah,
0: yeah. Please don't be nitpicky. Just don't come out. And actually when you say you'll have experienced staff, because you'll have chefs that prune out the winery, you know. Um and so let's look, let's finish on one of your what, what wine have we got remaining to chat about?
1: I've just been sitting on these pinots, <laughs>
0: um,
1: but which I are really nice.
0: Actually, let's chat about. Should we chat about um, your that pinot? You, no, yeah. we've done the pinot. No, we, we did that. I think we did the two. Oh, we chat about that. Really? I've um, lost my mind.
1: Uh, the. <laughs> let's have a look at the, uh, let's have a look at our old vine reserve cabinet. So that's oh yes, we can actually see these vines from here. So that's directly. Oh, is that just there? That's just there. Um, those Nineteen
0: seventy-two. Yep. Go ahead, yep. I'm
1: good. And you might actually notice that there's a couple of vines in the front that uh, look particularly healthy, that have a stronger canopy, literally in that first row. I'm not sure if you can see that from that window. I can't see it from mine, but you might on that yeah, angle. Yeah, I can see yeah? a couple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that is a... Um, There, those sorts of vines, even to this day, still confuse me because I drive in and look at it and just go, God, look at the Cabernet, look how quickly it's growing. And then I suddenly realise, no, they're the Chardonnay
0: vines (laughs) in the Cabernet. Um, How did they find their (laughs) way in there?
1: Well, especially during bud burst and you're kind of going, God, the Cabernet is already bursting. And, you know, that's, you go, no, that's the Chardonnay vines. How did they find their way in there? Oh, that's just would have been the 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 wonderful thing of planting vineyards back in the seventies. <laughs> you didn't really know what you were getting, you know, just because they might have a tag saying Cabernet, but God, that didn't mean much. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you, and then if you actually were, you know, taking cuttings from a neighbour or something, you know, yeah, 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 and you, you know, is it, you know, you're doing this at the dead of the, dead of the night, obviously, because you <laughs> didn't want your neighbour to know. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, you you know you stumble into the chardonnay block and
0: oh, forget <laughs> oh, I that you're actually cutting. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so. Uh- Look, that just that was just <laughs> part of the parcel, I think, and that's the reason why we have a bit of a field blend with that Pinot. There's obviously a couple of different clones in our original Pinot um, <laughs> lock. Um, but luckily with the Cabernet, at least they're really quite identifiable what's Cabernet and what's not in our in our circumstances. So I a little bit of Chardonnay still makes it into the ferment. <laughs> but we do we do take a bit of a time to um to
0: to drop in there and pick the Chardonnay vines out when we're yep. early. Yeah uh the i i was saying to dylan i am hooked on yarra valley cabernet because it just has such lovely soft tannins it's it's just yum and this is nice actually
1: yeah but this is 100 percent cabernet sauvignon so mm. a lot of the yarra do blends do cabernet blends yeah um, what are they blending with normally? Yeah, well, classic, classic Bordeaux blends. Yeah, okay. know, so, Merlo, yep. Cabernet Franc. Franc. Yep. Petit Verdot. Yep. yep. Um, and mm. this, this is just one hundred percent Cabernet Sauvignon. So even though, well, and maybe point zero zero one Chardonnay. Yeah. But <laughs> the, but you know, it's straight Cabernet, and for me. I've looked at um, planting some other Bordeaux varieties to sort of, you know, to play with down the track. But yeah, I don't know, part of me just loves the story of this as a single varietal mm. and, just, and just sort of showcasing it because I've just found from that little plot, plot out here, it seems to tick a lot of boxes. Yep. You know, it, it has that beautiful fruit structure. It's got that fine, dusty tannin, and there's quite a lot of it there. You know, yeah. it's kind of um, – you You can taste this wine. You know that it's going to age for a long time. Yeah. But there's all this beautiful freshness about it as well, and that's It's one of the reasons why I haven't really bothered looking at, you know, playing around. It might be something in the future when we get a bit more space here yeah. um, and yeah. I've got a little bit more things to play around with, but at the yeah. moment – as you saw driving around, we're pretty land-bound in terms of um, space. So yeah. for this, for the short-term anyway, it
0: all stays yeah. well, 100% cabinet. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Dylan, so interesting chatting. Thank you. No, you're welcome. And, and I would love to – I was saying to Dylan what we should do is in the months ahead when they reopen is touch base and do another episode and see how it all rolled out, you know?
1: Love to. Yeah, yeah let's that'd do be, this again. That'd I be think lovely. we we'll have to up the, um, the amount of bottles <laughs> Yeah, We've only got five in front of it.
0: <laughs> uh, guys, thank you for joining us again on this lovely Friday of uh, Buy the Glass. And um, of course, if you haven't already bought yourself a glass, you better do so. Have a nice weekend.